Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop, where each week and every week we dissect and discuss a different kind of alcoholic beverage. Yes, and uh, today is no exception. We are back to wine and talking about Bionier. Yeah, there was a bit of discussion about how to pronounce this one, and we finally got to the bottom of it. Yes, I was close but wrong. Mm. Closer than I was. Stay tuned. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, so today, as we mentioned, we are talking about and drinking Viognier, and uh, yeah, it's a white varietal. It's a very light golden. It's very golden. Like, instead of a, a more of a straw color, this has more of a, definitely has more warmth to it, as opposed to a cool yellow that uh, a Chardonnay or a Riesling might have. Yeah, now it... Um is in many ways uh, comparable to a Chardonnay in that it's also described as a full-bodied white wine. But um, it has... This is my very first time having Viognier. I think it may be my first time having it by itself as well. Because as with many of the wines we've mentioned in the past, this is one that's commonly blended. Yeah. You know, it kind of does smell like a Chardonnay. Mm. Well, supposedly, it's the uh, the tasting notes and some of the other some of the uh, aromas that uh, that differ between the two. Mm. Well, of course, it's a different grape variety altogether. It's not going to taste the same. Yeah, apparently, it's got uh, more natural sort of aromas to it than Chardonnay does, with the uh, notes of peach, pears, violets, and uh, even some minerality. Mm, it's a it's a very strong. Well, it has a lot of a lot of fruit flavors. It's very forward in the fruit spectrum, I guess. It's a medium-bodied white. Uh, can be medium to medium dry sweetness, and it's a little acidic on the low end. And usually, it's like some of the best Viognier's are quite boozy, like thirteen percent and up. Yeah, this one's actually a little on the light side. Mm. At uh, 12.5%. Yeah. But the big thing with Australian Viognier's is that they, well, they they differ from the French versions because they, well, obviously different soil and different environment, but they also tend to age better. Yeah. and Or or lend themselves to aging. And it's a varietal that tends to be good to consume young Mm. and begins to age earlier than a lot of other wines do how weird like when you think of aging a wine i well i me personally i think aging is like three four years minimum yeah but no this is good to drink on year two yeah whereas yeah this one's a a 2018 and we can drink it now and it'll be fine now yeah but we could also leave it a year or two Mm. yeah like the um it's like the pinot grigio is it yeah yeah which is meant to be drunk young. Yes. Uh, oh, I don't. I don't reckon quite as fresh as the Grigio or Gris. No, I mean it. Um, it's, this smells very fresh, very crisp, mm. very fruity. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's give it a go. Yes, let's taste. 
Huh. That is really fresh. Like, really refreshing. Yeah. And it's interesting. I'm getting almost a, a smoky, cheesy flavor. If you say so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. Um, definitely, I'm sure I'm getting some smokiness in that, but the uh, the winemaker themselves... Yeah, okay. Describe... Yeah, you can sort of see a bit of a cheesy... Bit of a soft mm. cheese taste. But yeah, the no, sorry, a hard cheese, mm. not a soft cheese. But yeah, the, the winemaker describes it as um, being beautifully intense and perfumed with all the classic aromas of honeysuckle, apricot, spring oh, yeah, flowers, yeah. and musk. And they say that the palate is rich without being gluggy or viscous. And um, I, I would disagree. I would say it's well. There's a lot of flavors there, but. Mm. Yeah, okay, maybe they're right. <laughs> I would have said it's refreshing. Like, Yeah. Oh, it's definitely refreshing. And the, the palate yeah. is certainly rich. There's a lot of complex flavors that you pick up mm. almost immediately. And they sort of hit a lot of different sections of, of the palate as you drink them. Like as it passes over your tongue. It's, mm. it's a bit of an experience. Mm. So as, as you were saying earlier, it's quite rare to get it on its own because it's the 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 vine itself is quite a low yielding vine so it it makes it harder for harder for uh, vineyards to produce a lot of it so they mix a little bit with other wines like a Syrah or a Shiraz to mellow out the tannins and improve the aroma yeah and drinking it by itself you can really see why it has the effect it has on a Shiraz or Syrah. Like I've had numerous Shiraz blends that contained this varietal of wine. And it does take a lot of the bite out of it and uh, sort of mellow the spices and make it a bit more fruity. It's a flavor I can't quite pick again. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was getting that exact same feeling. I'm, I'm mm. going to taste again because I'm curious. Yeah. So, let's get into a bit of the history itself. So, it's it's believed that it may have originated in Dalmatia, what is now known as Croatia, and then been brought to Rome by the Romans, with um, one version of the history stating that uh, the Roman Emperor Probus brought the vine to the region in 281 AD. But there is another version where the grape packaged with Syrah on a cargo ship navigating the Rhone River en route to Beaujolais when it was captured near the site of present-day Condrieu by a local group of outlaws known as Couls de Pas, or something similar to that. My pronunciation is undoubtedly dreadful. It's much better than mine. <laughs> but um, the origin of the name is clear. Is it though? Not, no, <laughs> no, not not even remotely. The most common namesake is the French city of Vienne, I think, or Vienne, which was a major Roman outpost. Though again, there's another version of the history that says it draws its name from the Roman pronunciation of the Gehenne, meaning "road of the valley of hell," and that's probably an allusion to the difficulty of growing the grape because they're not particularly easy to grow. So much so that they did almost become extinct. Mm. Again, as so many grapes tend to do. Well, it almost became extinct 
in uh, in two areas. So, of course, it was subject to that major Filizera outbreak, which wiped out most of the vineyards anyway. And when it started, they obviously started to recover, but people sort of lost interest. And because it was such a pain in the ass to grow and cultivate, they... Uh, vineyards starting to, or yeah, vineyards and winemakers started moving away into easier to easier to grow grapes. Yeah, and I mean the um, the Viognier is also prone to powdery, also prone to powdery mildew, which you know just increases that difficulty in growing further. Mm. Because powdery but- mildew, since we haven't mentioned it before, I don't think. Is a, a fungal disease because aren't all the problems that grapes suffer fungal diseases? I think they are, mm. apart from you know blizzards and such. Yeah, but, frost. Yeah, <laughs> but, too, too uh, much sun, too little sun. But yeah, so it's a fungal disease that just kind of eats away at and destroys the plant. It creates spots as the disease progresses. The spots get larger and denser, and um, the mildew spreads up and down the plant and eventually just kills it off. So in about, in about the 1960s, it had all but died out. There was about 13 hectares left of the Viognier, Viognier grapes. About 1,900 litres of wine all up was, was what was left. In about the 1980s, almost all of the officially planted Viognier uh, vines in the world were planted in the Rhone Valley, obviously. Most of it in the Condrio Appalachian on the right bank of the Northern Rhone. But the terraces there are so steep and difficult to maintain that these 23 hectares were all that remained of an officially allowed total for the Appalachian of 2,000 hectares. But the popularity and price increased, the number of plantings increased, and it is now grown in uh, many different countries and regions. It's grown in France, it's grown in North America, it's grown in South America, it's grown in New Zealand, and of course it is grown in Australia. So the... We should also note that Viognier is the only grape that's allowed to grow in this particular area, in the uh, Rhone Valley and the Condrio Appalachian, because of the uh, de origin contrale. The designation de origin contrale. And again, it works both ways. You can only call a wine from this region this particular variety, you can only grow this particular wine in this region. In France, of course. In France. Is. Yeah. Because naturally, as we mentioned earlier, it is grown in Australia. And because it's a grape that uh, benefits from warmer regions and a long growing season, it does quite well in Australia because it stays warm for a long period of time. Mm. Australia has a very warm climate and it's awesome. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's winter right now, and we're only just putting on jumpers. Mm, yeah, and it won't stay winter too much longer either, no. because winter is a very short season here. Yeah, and <laughs> to be um, fair, we're in Queensland, where it's tropical most of the year around. Yeah, though in the part of Australia where this particular wine comes from, it is also warm most of the year around. Mm. And uh, the one that we're drinking is the. Paul Nelson PN Vonier 2018 and the Paul Nelson winery is in Denmark, Western Australia. <laughs> it's in the, in the ta- town 
or region of Denmark? Locality um, of Denmark. So Denmark <laughs> is a town. It's in the great southern wine region. Believe it or not, on the south coast of Western Australia. Yeah, sort of um, southeast. Yeah, due southeast of Perth. Hmm. A long way, though. Mm, long way, yeah. I mean, mm. Western Australia is big. It's like half the country. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it's, inter- it's interesting. Looking at this, it's got... I still think it's got the tiniest hint of pink in the colour. <laughs> Holy crap. What? So, um, so Denmark is a four and a half hour drive from Perth. Oh, damn. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a while so away. It's even further than it looked on the map, but that... Could easily be the name of the book on Australia. It's even further than it looked on the map. <laughs> it's that's the, that's the real tourist trap, not the drop bears. Yeah, it's it's the distance. So, first impression of this, it's not bad. It's like really light and refreshing for a wine that was supposed that was described as uh, rich and full. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it is full-bodied for a white wine. Because when you think full-bodied, your brain immediately goes to full-bodied reds like Shiraz. Yeah, or a um, Malbec. Yeah, or even a a full-bodied Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm. I suppose a full-bodied white would be close to Chardonnay, which is... Which, yeah, is kind of what this is. It's close to to Chardonnay, but Mm. very different at the same time. Yeah, it's definitely... It definitely has much milder tannins and acidity than Chardonnay. Yeah, like there's, there is acidity there, mm. but it's more of a crispness than a bite. Yeah. It's like a nod in the general direction. Yeah. And, yeah, there's still flavours I can't put my finger on. Mm. I do reckon it's hard cheese, like you said. Mm. And I'm sure there's like a hint of smokiness, but there is something else. Mm. A, a little bit of fruitiness, I think. Definitely. Fruitiness, um, lots of floral notes, honeysuckle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's good. I like it. Uh, I mean, I would have another one, but I don't know. Maybe I, I probably wouldn't go for it again. Wouldn't go for a straight Vonier, Vionier. Yeah, no, and I'll, I'll admit this is the only one I've ever acquired, mm. mostly because they're hard to come by. Yeah. But also, I guess because yeah, you mostly find it in other things. And if I'm going to have a straight white, I want it to be something a bit more. I know, unique, because this one does kind of feel like it belongs with something else. Okay. Like, it's not, like... Yeah. Its characteristics aren't hugely distinctive. It's reminiscent of... Of a bunch of other wines. Of a bunch of other wines. Yeah, I can see that. Like, as not really a wine drinker, I could, like... This is... I mean, it's. If I was to describe how I feel about it, it's like, yeah, this is nice, but I'm sure I shrug my shoulders as to whether I'd get it again. Yeah, like it's definitely a nice wine. I am enjoying drinking it, mm. but maybe it just needs a little longer in the aging. 
Yeah, it might need to sit a bit longer mm. because, you know, it was only only, last only year. bottled last year. Yeah. Mm. But also, I guess there's the possibility that we may not have let it breathe long enough. And then it could just be that Viognier is the wine to drink when you can't decide which white wine to drink because <laughs> it just tastes a little bit like all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely sits very well in a Syrah or a Shiraz blend. Maybe, maybe it just needs some good food to go with it. That would... Mm. Good food to enhance the the flavors. Yes, well, they they do recommend pairing it with, I suppose, things that are sort of salty in flavor, like prosciutto. Yeah, but also uh, flavors that are really strong and bitey, like Thai. Yeah, like spicy. Sorry, spicy, like Thai. Yeah, I, I could see it pairing very well with that, and we have found in a number of occasions that pairing something and having the taste of the right food in your mouth when you drink mm. the wine can just enhance the experience to no end. Yeah, like that Shiraz and dark chocolate. And dark chocolate, yeah. That blew my mind. Well, yeah, the Shiraz <laughs> made the dark chocolate taste better. The dark chocolate made the Shiraz taste better. Mm. Whereas on their own, they're like, yeah, this is nice. Mm. Exactly. And that could be what we're missing here. Mm. We will... We might have to when we finish the episode. When we finish the episode, we might have to. We might have to pull out some cheese, and see how that goes. I haven't really got anything else. You've said you've had this in um, as a as a blend before. Mm, yes. What was the nicest blend that you've had so far? Yeah. So yeah, when I first tried it, it was in a Shiraz Vonier. A, uh, a 2015 Shiraz Vonier that I actually only drank this year. Oh. And um, it was really good. <laughs> like very, very smooth, very mellow. So how how does it differ from a straight Shiraz? Well, I mean, it's, it's very much like... Because when I drank it, of course, I hadn't had a straight Vonier. Yeah. But now that I have had a straight Vonier and I think about it... It is very much like a middle ground. Like you take the spiciness and richness and mouthfeel of a Shiraz Mm. and kind of mellow it out a little bit and add a touch of fruitiness to balance out the spiciness and, you know, take a little bit of the kick out and smooth it out. It it does similar sort of things to... um, as far as reducing the kick that you would get out of mixing a Shiraz with a Malo or a Tempranillo. Hmm. Except that, of course, those have a little bit of spice to them as well, whereas this is just very fruity and crisp. So you're adding that fruity crispness to, yeah, just kind of... Reduce the extremes of the the tannins in the Shiraz. You yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So it's it's hard to describe because it was a while ago. You said it was this year. It was this year, but you know, it's <laughs> August. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, I haven't got anything else. Have you? Uh, no, that's that's pretty much all uh, 
all I've got to say on this one as well. Mm. Well, in that case, it's time for the plugs. If you like what you heard, uh, smash that like button, uh, hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast uh, software you use. We're on Podbean, Spotify, uh, Google Play Music, uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, most, yeah, we're on most um, most podcast apps. You can find us as a good drop all about alcohol. Yep, you can also find us on the socials. We are on Facebook, occasionally on Instagram, and uh, on there we are a good drop podcast. If you've also got any questions, comments, feedbacks. Uh, photos of cats harassing you while you're trying to podcast an episode, you can send us an email to a good drop at gmail.com. And if you want to share a, a particular episode with a friend of yours, you can jump on our website and send them straight there, a gooddrop.com.au. Now, next time, we're, uh, we're recording an interesting one, something that people don't talk about enough considering how long this has been existed mm. we are talking ginger beer yeah i like ginger beer my my mum used to brew ginger beer and i remember one time she left it a bit too long and she said no nah, this this one's not for not for little ones yeah because <laughs> there's a fine line between ginger beer and alcoholic ginger beer mm. and we are talking about the latter yes yeah, so we're a good drop podcast we're all about that alcohol Yes. Though you can guarantee that we will also mention the former because it's it's part and parcel. Yeah, absolutely. So until next time. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>